the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Being empowered for the glory of God. Grace, God's empowering influence, coming up next. You have been saved. You call yourself a Christian, yet you find yourself on the sidelines wondering where the strength is, where the empowerment is. Well, here in 1 Corinthians, we're focusing in on chapter 15, verses 1 through 11 today, we find that it is grace that is God's empowering influence. Hi there, and welcome to Times of Refreshing, the ministry of the well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. Won't you join us again, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11, as we take a look at this grace, God's empowering influence. With today's message, here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to take a look here at verses 1 on down to 11, and periodically I, I like to revisit topics And this morning, I want to remind us once again that grace is an empowering influence in your life. This is the title of my message, Grace, God's Empowering Influence. You know, when we oftentimes, especially now, and I've been talking about this for years, that there's been such a perversion of God's grace that people have try to divine to to define God's grace as a license to sin and uh and it is in 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 all honesty kind of an epidemic and something that needs to be addressed and and rightly clarified that grace does not give us license to commit sinful acts in the sight of God actually and you're going to see this here God's grace empowers you to overcome sin. It, it's an empowering influence. And uh, God was gracious towards us that when we had no power, he sent his son to come to die for our sins, to be buried for our sins, to be resurrected for our just, justification, and then to empower us to overcome our sin. And so for us, we have to see this as, as part of it's like a coin that has two sides. God's grace is his unmerited favor and benefit in your life. But the other side of the coin is that benefit is that he empowers you to overcome your old condition in sin. And so, yes, God forgives us. And that's different. God comes in and he forgives us of our sins. He does that also because it's part of his grace. I'm forgiving you, but I'm also empowering you. I don't know about you all. But the thing that really blessed me about walking with God was not just that God forgave me of my sins, but that God empowers me to change my condition, that my condition was going to change. 
that I, I didn't have to do the same thing that I was doing, that now God gives me power to do it, and it's all because of his grace. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 to 11, we see, we see a picture of the, of, of, God's, of the gospel. If you want to know about the gospel, this is the essence of the gospel. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which, you, by which also you are saved. He says, if, somebody says, if. He says, if you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which also I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. That's the essence of the, of the gospel, the good news of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. He says in verse 4, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present. But some have fallen asleep, some have died in Christ. He says after that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, this is what Apostle Paul says, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. He says, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But here he goes. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's God's grace that has made me. And then look what he says. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but what? The grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. This is powerful. You know, you're being made who God wants you to become through the influence of his grace in your life. It's his grace that's empowering you. It's his grace that's changing you and transforming you and making you and molding you. It's the grace of God. He says, I, and he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I didn't make myself. God, through his grace, has made me and is making me. And it's the same thing for us. We have to see this. God's empowering influence in my life is what's making me and what's molding me. It's his grace that's forging something in me. And then he says this, but he doesn't just stop there by saying that it was just, it was just, he said, listen, he says, but I labored more than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. He's saying that, yes, I'm moving, and God is using this shell, and he's moving me, and he's, he's molding me, and he's making me. He says, but it's the grace. He says, it's just not me, though. It's the grace of God that is with me. And so there's this dynamic of us partnering with God, working with God, yielding to God that all of us have to continue to embrace and allow 
God's grace to be effective in our lives so that his grace towards you is not in vain. And this is what he's saying. He says, what is in vain? He said, because I labored. I still allow God to help me to do my part as God was doing his part so that we're working together. God is working in and through us, but he needs a yielded vessel. And all of us have to learn to work with him in this regard. And so, saints, it has to be clear that God's grace empowers. I am what I am because of God's grace. I labor, but it's not just me, it's God's grace. That God's grace is moving in my life and pushing in my life. And I don't want that extension of God's scepter, the scepter of grace, to be towards me in vain. But this is what happens a lot of times. Is that people, they trample underfoot the Son of God, and they treat the the blood of Jesus Christ as just a common thing, not realizing that God's grace and God's power in your life, it is active. It causes us to act. It causes us to move. It causes us to get into alignment. When God's grace is flowing in your life, it it makes you capable and able. It empowers you to go where you couldn't go. It empowers us to stop when we couldn't stop. When we couldn't stop, God's grace comes in and then God causes us, helps us to stop. This is the difference between law and God's grace. The law tells, and you hear me say this all the time, Please hear me, saints. The law tells you what you are, and it was necessary. It was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, but it never provided the power to stop doing what we used to do. But when God's grace comes in, God tells us how bad we are, and then he gives us the power to become exactly what God wants us to become. That's the difference. The difference is the power that's necessary. Grace empowers us to stop. It empowers us to go in a different direction. There is no such temptation but that which is common to man. But with the temptation, God will make a way of escape that we may be able to bear. What happens is there's a way of escape and there's a way to, but we don't allow God's grace to empower us to get out. And for us, we have to learn, all of us have to learn to, that when we have you know, the Bible talks about great grace being over the church. It was God's great power was being released and the first century church was thriving because they learned how to tap into the higher source. Are we doing that? Are we willing to do that? This, to say, God is, is not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit. That God, through your grace, you empower me. It's not my own strength that gets it done. It's the strength that you supply me through your grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. It's the grace of God that helps you to be a good husband. It's tapping into the grace of God that helps you to be a good wife. It, 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 it's the grace of God that taps you into being single but still happy. And still thriving. And still loving your life. It's the grace of God that helps you on your job. It's the grace of God. His empowering influence is what gives us the ability to have the effect that that God wants us to have. And this is what Apostle Paul was willing to tap into. He says here in verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
And his grace towards me was not in vain. It wasn't worthless. It wasn't meaningless. Many people, God is trying to give us grace, but it's worthless. It's meaning it's not having its effect in our life because we're still trying to do it in our own strength. Or we feel like, no, or the flip side of that is, God doesn't care what I'm doing and how I live. He just loves me and has forgiven me, and, and, and I'm all good. I don't have to stop. I don't have to repent. I don't have to do anything. I just, just keep on being me, and, and he's just going to be so happy. I don't know what Bible some people are reading because it's not this one. And because what happens is we have to see that God wants to empower us to overcome. He says, he says, his grace toward me was not in vain. How much grace is God trying to pour out, but it's, it's, it's in vain. Because people aren't tapping into that grace, walking in that grace, and allowing God's grace to empower them. He says here, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. Saints, there's no, if God has called you to do whatever he's called you to do, he's going to supply the grace for you to do it. If he wants you to build an ark, Noah, he'll supply the grace to get it done. If he wants you... To lift up your hands and see the Red Sea open, he'll supply the grace for you to lift up your hands. If he wants you to walk on water, Peter, if you keep your eyes on him and not your circumstances or yourself, then you'll walk on water, Peter. If he wants you to defeat the Goliaths in your life with a rock, He'll give you the power to defeat the Goliaths in your, in your life. I can go on and on about how, and, and just talk in, all throughout the Bible of how God took ordinary people just like you and I that weren't the smartest, weren't the best looking, weren't the, 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 didn't have the best upbringing, didn't have everything laid out, and he took ordinary people and he put his grace on them. And he empowered them to do what they could not do in their own strength. And, it, and, and the grace causes the person to understand that all of this glory belongs to you. Because it was your grace that empowered me to get this done. Saints, all of us have to stop saying, well, 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 we have to start saying, God, God, God. And learn that it's, there's nothing that I cannot do without God's, that God's grace will empower me to do anything. That if he called me to it, he empowers me to do it. And I have to learn to tap into that. Saints, we have to get our eyes of our, off of ourselves and, and continue to learn to put our eyes. If you're struggling with an addiction in this room right now, I'm telling you that by the grace of God, you can get out of that situation and God will empower you to overcome it. 
Pastor, Pastor, I can't stop smoking cigarettes. You can stop smoking cigarettes. God will give you the power to overcome it and take the taste out of your mouth right now. Can I have an amen? This is the kind of God that we serve. There's nothing. Pastor, I'm raising these kids all by myself. You can do it. God's going to give you the grace to do it and to do it well. God will give us the power, whatever it is. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through. Well, do you understand what Apostle Paul was going through? All of us got problems and stuff we're dealing with. And he never said the road was going to be easy. But he did say that he would give us grace. And this grace is what empowers me to do what I could not do. Can I have an amen, y'all? Go to the book of Titus chapter 2. Let's look at this and let's get a little deeper into this. Titus chapter 2. And I preached a message on this passage of scripture years ago called Grace Our Teacher. Look at this here. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 on down to 15. It says here in verse 11. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us. Somebody say teaching us. So grace is a teacher. When the true grace of God has hit your life, it'll teach you and instruct you in the way. It'll help us to get out of touchy situations. It'll continue to nudge us along the path that, that leads to life. That grace is an instructor, but are we listening to grace? And this is the reason why I have such a problem with those who perverted God's grace is because we've taken, we've taken the strength, taken the strength of God's grace out of the message. We've taken the focal point of the message, which is God now is going to infuse power into your life. And through his grace, he's going to teach you and cause you and I to become powerful overcomers. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that de- denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God, great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless lead, deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works speak these things exhort and rebuke with all authority let no one he says despise you and so he says here in verse 12 he says teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust this is important for all of us in the day and age in which we live This information age where we're constantly being bombarded with information and stuff and this and innuendos and drama and he says, she said, and this on television and the media says this and Twitter says this. And did you hear about what they said on Facebook and this and that? There has to be a place in us where we we tap into God's grace, where we learn to deny ungodliness. That we don't allow ungodliness in. He's saying grace is going to teach you how to deny it. To push ungodliness and worldly lust away from you. 
Get it out of your life. Keep it away from. You know, the thing that happens is the enemy wants to so desensitize us that we just start calling good evil and evil good. So now it just becomes normal for us. Well, that's not a big deal. But grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. Worldly selfish desires that everything is about us. It amazes me how, how, how human beings are so caught up in image. How do I appear, you know? I don't want anybody not to like me. You know, and the bling bling and the, you know, and you know I love stuff. Nice stuff. Praise the Lord. I love nice stuff. But is that your life? Is that our life? You know, do we measure our success or failure life based on what society says is cool? Can I talk about this this morning, y'all? You know, we, and in the worldliness, I mean, worldly, worldly lusts start coming in. And, and, you know, the thing about lust is lust is never satisfied. It never satisfied. Lust, lust is never satisfied. Once you get that, you're going to want that. Once you get that, and that's how it is. It's a, it would never satisfy. Now, I'm not saying we can't have nice stuff. I love nice stuff. I have nice stuff. Praise God. But do we know how to say, you know, that's it? And you know when that is. And the Holy Spirit is going to tell us. And then, and then we, stop, we stop looking at the world and comparing ourselves to the world to determine whether we're a success or not. The world doesn't define to us what success is. You're successful to the degree that you accomplish God's will and purpose for your life. Can I have an amen? And that may not look like anything else that anybody else is doing. Apostle Paul, when he died, listen, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he looked like a failure. The devil said, I got him. The, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of them said, look, he's dead. I thought he was going to save you. I, where's your king at now? They just killed him. He looked like he was a failure. Saints, we got to understand that what God defines as success isn't always what the world defines as success or what people define as success. Stop worrying about it. And, and all of us, we have to stop and say, wait a minute, am I living for that? Or, and all of us have to stop and say, wait a minute. I can't worry about how this looks to man. How is this looking to God? So worldliness, this stuff is in our pursuit. We enjoy stuff, but we have it in its proper context. Because, saints, some of the happiest people I've met have been in third world countries that don't have all the stuff. But you go to the service, they just praising God, got the joy of the Lord. And they're not sitting on three-hour chairs. But we can enjoy, praise God, God's blessed us with stuff. But do we allow ungodliness and worldly lust to now start navigating? Well, if grace is in our lives, grace keeps us and is teaching us to get on that narrow road, amen, that helps and leads to life. He says, teaching us, look at verse 12, that denying ungodliness and worldly love, we should live soberly. He says, now deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live a sober life. That soberness should be a part of us, that we're of a sound mind. 
We're not inebriated, intoxicated, and, and out there flipping out that in, in a moment's notice, and I talked about this the other week, in a moment's notice, God can access your spirit because there's nothing there to hinder or block the connection. He says soberly, he says righteously, that doing what's right because it's right becomes a part of our life. And grace teaching, teaches us how to do this, that we're measuring ourselves by God's standard and not just by, by, by man's standard. You're listening to Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from The Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. As we close out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know that you're listening and this program is encouraging you on a daily basis. We'd love to hear from you. Now, there's a couple of ways you can reach out to us. By phone, of course, and that number is 925-292-7800. Again, 925-292-7800. 7800. Or write to us, Times of Refreshing, 2333 Neeson Drive, Livermore, California. The zip code is 94551. And obviously, you're welcome to join us on our website, thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net, and you can email us from that website as well. Now, as you visit our website, we do have other resource materials available, our online store, past sermons are available, as well as a COVID-19 update. While we would normally invite you to join us here on campus for worship services, at least until May 1st, we're not able to do that. So what we would invite you to do is join us online. Now, there are three ways you can do that. You can either visit our church app, and if you don't have that on your smartphone or your tablet, you're more than welcome to visit your favorite store and download it for free. Or go to our website, again, thewellchurch.net. Or visit our YouTube channel for our weekly message at 1030 in the morning. Pastor Napoleon will share a message from the Lord just like he used to with his program, Hope of Glory. And remember to be faithful during this challenging time with your giving. You can give online through our website, through the church app, or by mail to the church office. And we're praying and standing on His truth during this time and remembering God is in control. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Thank you again for spending time with us here today on Times of Refreshing. Until next time, God bless. God bless.